Hi, this is Graham Watson. You might have wondered what happened to this podcast. We were putting it out every week and then suddenly it disappeared. Well, we only have a small team here at Out in Perth and sadly both Lee Hill and I suddenly had relatives last month who were in hospital and we had to decide to scale back some of the things we were doing, set some projects aside and spend some important time with our families. We've filled past that by now and we're back on track, so we're pleased to put up these podcast episodes that we recorded a while back that we're unable to post until now. Thanks for your patience and we hope you enjoy these chats. So Loquacious, an Out in Perth podcast. Welcome to So Loquacious, a podcast from Out in Perth magazine. So Loquacious is where we discuss everything from politics to pop music, activism to art, and all from an LGBTIQ plus point of view. My name's Lee Hill, and each week I'm joined by my colleague Graham and a special guest. Hi. In this episode, we're asking, is it possible to have a respectful debate about marriage equality? We take a look at gender-neutral names and non-conforming names, and we remember the artist Keith Haring. But before we leap into this episode, a word about our sponsor. City Signs are the experts in large-scale design with high-quality large digital print and vinyl signs, plus the ability to create stunning mobile displays with full vehicle wraps. Find out more about them at city-signs.com.au. Welcome to episode four of So Loquacious. We've got so many fascinating things to discuss, but first let me introduce our guest. Charlie Perth is a well-known member of the local LGBTIQ community here in Western Australia, a member of the Gay and Lesbian Singers of WA, a vocal community member in the social media sphere, and reviewer of the arts here for us at Out in Perth. How are you doing? Oh, yay, I'm great, Lee. Good to be here. That's good. I how, how, did, how did you first get into singing? Have you always been a singer? Oh, I started singing in church. Yeah. So uh, from about the time I was four, my mum got my sister and I to sing together. And I've always sung. I started writing songs when I was 13. Mm. And I've written ever since. Lee, can you sing? No. I can't sing. <laughs> no, no, no. Not no, at no, all. No. I can't dance. <laughs> I can do that. Oh, I can't really do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the Gay and Lesbian Singers of WA, which is one of the places we know you from, though, is, is one of the best community groups we have locally, our uh, singing choir. They're yeah. always amazing. Yeah, your performance at Fair Day was exceptional. Oh, thank you, Lee. That's amazing. You know, I have really found my place at, at uh, Gay and Lesbian Singers WA. I've only been out for three years, mm -hmm. uh, and Galesville was one of the first places I went to to connect with the community. Mm -hmm. And they are just really welcoming. Yeah. Uh, not only do they make great music, but they're great family and great friends. Mm. So I love them, yeah. Yeah, last time I visited Galsworth, they'd almost tripled their membership, if not more, and had a lot more men in the group now as well. It's a pretty diverse group of people. We're about 50-50 um, now. Yeah, yeah, great. Awesome. Let's go into the first topic. We There's been a lot of discussion about marriage equality for the last umpteen years. Uh, but most recently, uh, the Marriage Alliance has been in the news lately. Uh, the Conservative group argues that Australia has yet to fully consider the ramifications of marriage equality, and they posted an image to their social media channels this week that upset a lot of people. The image was a woman with a rainbow noose around her neck, you may have seen it, and it was heavily criticised, including a smackdown in, including a smackdown in federal parliament from Labor MP Tim Watts. Uh, so, do you guys think this is the sign of a respectful debate, Charlie? Oh, I think we're a long way away from the respectful debate. When you start putting uh, 
photoshopping things uh, around somebody's neck uh, and claiming that people are going to be bullied because of their opposition you're to marriage equality, mm. you're immediately going to a place that's really full of falsehood. Yeah. So how can that be respectful? You know, there's got to be at some point when you Photoshop a noose into an image that you've really got to some alarm bells that go off in your head which mm. say, this is not something well, not which is a good choice. I mean, when it comes to depictions of things related to suicide, there's lots of guidelines for mm. publications and journalists on how they should show things. And, and if you were to read something like that, well, this would break all of those rules. And it mm. should apply for other organisations as well. And especially when you're talking about something relating to the gay and lesbian community, which has such a high rate of suicide and has such so many suicide prevention initiatives going on, mm. this just goes against the flow in so many ways. It's, it's just such a bad choice. So irresponsible. And what's, I think, even more upsetting is after even like leading mental health groups have come out and said, look, think about this. This maybe isn't a good choice of imagery. Mm -hmm. This isn't a good way to get your position across. The Marriage Alliance has just criticised those groups for the work that they do. Um, they haven't you know, even had taken the opportunity to go, actually, this was a bit of no bad idea. We, we, no. They've just said, no, everyone else is wrong. You know? My understanding is that it uh, it breaks the policy of the stock photo companies as well to infuse it with a political message like that. It does. A lot of stock photos um, you're not allowed to use for political means. Mm. But it's quite common um, politicians using stock images. We've, you know, we've got a bit of a history in this area. Mm. It was a few years ago the Christian Democrat Party for the Fred Nile Group put out a picture which was a guy who said, I'm a local businessman and I'm not for marriage equality. Oh, yes, I remember And it. we looked at this guy and went, he seems so familiar. <laughs> and then we realised that he's the same guy who used to put in front of the Out in Perth media kit, which we used to sell advertising in the magazine. And and we had a little bit of fun and put the two side by side and said, you know, sometimes I'm against marriage equality, other times I'm selling a gay magazine. Um, they had him with an orange background, we had him with a pink background, but the same dude, same photo. Um, and he was, he was quite a cute guy. You know? But... Uh, the other one that we came across really is the uh, guy who's on the um, flyers for the iceberg ads the Marriage Alliance did. Mm. Um, he's a stock image as well, yeah. and he's holding their flyer looking concerned. But originally he was holding a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> trying to work out how to figure it out. <laughs> it's just a really bad choice, and it's a little bit confusing to try and work out what that message is trying to say. Mm. They've said that the... The noose is a symbol of political correctness destroying the workplace. Mm. Why a rainbow, though? I mean, political correctness doesn't exclusively apply to the LGBT community. Well, they're targeting, mm. aren't they? They're targeting mm. uh, the gay agenda. And I've got uh, quotation <laughs> marks there. quotations there. happening. Uh, and I'm not sure what the gay agenda is uh, because I'm gay and I actually don't have an agenda. Uh, no. Yeah. I can barely keep a diary. <laughs> <laughs> I think we once posted a gay agenda up to our Facebook page. It said, one, equality, two, apple teenies for everybody. <laughs> yeah, apple teenies. So with a debate like this, it's really important that both or all parties are open to the idea that the other parties might actually be right. Is there anything that marriage equality opponents are advocating that may have some value? I went to cover the rally in Perth. And there were a whole heap of people there. Uh, and I didn't actually hear anything that was particularly truthful. Mm. They were saying things like uh, gay people destroy families. Mm -hmm. They were saying things like homosexuality is unnatural, mm -hmm. that um, 
that the gay community want to destroy religion, a lot of that's, um, if it's not, you know, exaggerated, it's just not true. Yeah. Right? There are lots of gay people who are religious. Yeah, and have children. Well, I come from a faith background. Yeah. Um, and for many years I struggled with that. Can I be gay and Christian? Can I have faith and and be gay? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm still struggling with that mm-hmm. because I see so so many Christians either being silent yeah. in support of equal marriage, mm-hmm. equal rights, right, or coming out and lying their t- you know through their teeth mm. about the kinds of things that uh, uh, marriage equality would cause. Right. Um, and and so I I'm really struggling with my faith. And you know I still have a faith. You know there was a, a an ad from the from people from Marriage Equality today. I saw a video, and uh, one of the guys, the head of Marriage Equality, who is a, an ex Pentecostal pastor, was saying, um, "Speak up, please, Christians, because we know for a fact that there are Christian groups who don't believe what ACL are preaching. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Who don't support ACL, and yet they're silent. And the silence." Well, it's deafening. But it's quite funny because a lot of these groups who are opposed to marriage equality say that if you speak out, you will be bullied and, and you'll be silenced. I mean, this is what the, the rainbow noose imagery was arguing. <laughs> like bullying to but me. at the same time, when Christians stand up and say, actually, I'm a Christian, I support marriage equality, I don't have a problem with it, they get told they're not real Christians, that they're not following yeah. the doctrine of the church, which is exactly <laughs> the same thing, you know, which is like, hang on, you're, you're doing the thing you are advocating not to happen in another space. The I actually think, though, that there are some things, there are some shared values that people who are concerned about marriage equality hold in high regard that um, we too may actually hold, and we have a common ground, but sometimes we don't recognise it. When we talk about family stability, well, actually, gay couples who have families, who have children being married, would increase that stability. If we talk about good parenting, raising children well, that's a shared value because everyone who has children wants to raise them well. It's when you get underneath that, then we get into a different territory. We start to get into what can sometimes be some quite homophobic beliefs. Mm. But if we really believe in stability of families, of you know making relationships more stable, of children feeling comfortable, their parents are going to be around, they're going to be together, then actually we're talking about the same thing, but we seem to be arguing about it. Mm. And that, that seems to be the conversation that we don't get to. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be much middle ground or a lot of people standing on the middle ground in this debate. They don't want to be in the middle. Or is maybe that's what this debate about is the people in the middle ground trying to say, come my way or go the other yeah. way. Like, is, is it just a big so. tug of war of those people who haven't made a decision about this? And it's really funny when we talk about the, you know, the silent majority, mm. the marriage alliance, so they are the voice of the silent majority, which I think is strange because they don't say much. <laughs> um, <laughs> the somewhat silent voice of the silent majority. They're notorious for turning down all the interview requests they get sent from anybody. Mm. Is there really this big group of people in Australia who are undecided on this issue, who are unaware of it? I don't think they actually exist. No. You know, we're, we're 10 plus years into this debate. Yeah. We do read international newspapers. We've seen the debate go on in other countries. We're having, having this debate in our country for a long time. If there is this large silent majority, mm. they're pretty well hidden. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's got an opinion on everything, everything anyway, right? Well, if they haven't spoken <laughs> up by now, maybe they just don't care. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's fear. Do you guys think there's a threat of this getting worse before it gets better in terms of public discourse on the subject? I'm concerned for the the children um, of 
of who whose families are gay, mm-hmm. right? I'm I'm concerned to children who's got a gay dad. Right? Yeah. My daughters have a gay dad, right? I have two grown-up daughters, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm immensely proud of them. Yeah. But you know, I don't want them to hear that that dad's you know broken or he's depressed or he's going to kill himself. Yeah. Uh, all those kinds of things. I want, you know, I want my, my kids to be proud of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think I did a bloody good job yeah, you should bringing up my children. Absolutely. They're great kids. I love them. Yeah. You know, and at the same time, some of the best families I've seen, mm. right, have been LGBT families. My best mate, James, his brother, Sam, have two mums. They both of them have two mums, mm-hmm. right? And they are the most level-headed kid that you could hope, possibly hope to meet. Yeah. And their mums, well, they're just great. I wish I had a mum like their mums. And this is so similar to what Graham was just saying about uh, family stability and shared values on both sides of this debate. There also seems to be, a, I don't know, an ignorance or a blind spot when we talk about families. This idea that families are parents and children and no other relatives are involved in that. Yeah. You know, because I always love the quote that the Irish health minister made during the debate in Ireland. He said, yes, gay and lesbian people are a minority, mm-hmm. you know, but when you take into account our mums and our dads and our brothers and our sisters and our uncles and our cousins and our nieces and our nephews, we're all part of our family, we're the majority, mm. you know. And I think we, I don't know, we forget that families are big, you know. Well, I have a very small family, but it still has nieces and nephews and you know, all sorts of people who I see every week. Yeah. You know, um, we don't live in these little bubbles. No. You know, it's this very storybook sort of idea of a nuclear family. And that's normal for everybody. Everybody's got a different formation of family, whether everybody in the family is cisgender, heterosexual or not. Well, I think that idea of a, a nuclear family with mum, dad, two kids, no aunts, no uncles, no grandparents, no nephews, nieces, aunts, uncles, mm. that would be the minority. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> it would. I'm also concerned for the kids of single parent households because the message that ACL is is saying is that uh, a family needs a mum and a dad, mm-hmm. and there are so many families where they just have a mum or just yeah. a dad, right? Uh, and you know that's not because people are gay; it's because people relationships are tenuous and, yeah. and break up and move around. And what we need to be thinking about is what those children are hearing about those messages. Mm. You know, if somebody comes from a, a single parent family, are they, they second class mm. or somehow less? And a lot yeah. of those children are possibly better off in the situation they're in. You know, it probably could not have been a healthy relationship. You know, there are many reasons relationships break down. And a lot of those children in single parent families, in some cases, might be better off for it. Might be safer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I would hate... Uh, you know, my parents uh, got divorced when I was quite young and they've always been separate entities to me, but they've gone on and formed their own new families and I've been a part of both of them and it's been very enriching to have both. My, when my mum had another child, he's seven years my junior and I would hate to think he was growing up in a time where this debate's going on, where the general public is saying that I'm less a child because his parents are still together and mine aren't. Mm. That's nonsense. I don't think people who you know who spout this kind of wording really think about who they're talking to. Mm, no, uh, of course not. It's ideology, not um, the lived experience yeah. of family. Yeah. You know, even in the 60s, I grew up with a blended family. Mm-hmm. My dad had been married to another woman. My mum had been married to another man, and they came together and had me. Right? But I have five, two brothers, two sisters, and another sibling. It's just, yeah. Everybody's got a it's different It's been family. that way for a long, long time. It's oh, not yes. new. No, not at all. 
Uh, speaking of kids, in the news lately, uh, actor Ryan Reynolds and his wife Blake Lively have been criticised for naming their daughter James. The name was in honour of Reynolds' grandfather, who passed away recently, and the actor joked that they had been considering the name Summer Squash Meadow Lark. Nothing like a celebrity baby name. No, they've got the best ones. I always wanted a more interesting name growing up. You mm-hmm. know, there were kids in my class who just had really cool names. Yeah. They were always the cooler kids, and I, I always thought it started with having a different name. It was the kids who weren't called Dean or, you know, John or mm-hmm. Damien, but they had something different. Yeah. You know? They were always way cooler, and they had a head start. <laughs> I wanted a better name. <laughs> but, Lee, you have a name which sometimes people confuse. I do, I people do. People sometimes think, because your name's spelled L-E-I-G-H, that yeah. you're a girl. Uh, well, that could be for a lot of other reasons as well. The biggest problem with my name was people pronouncing it leg or league, even though oh, I never <laughs> with that. <laughs> never heard somebody pronounce Ashley Ash League or Slay Slag. So I don't know what their excuse is. That's bizarre, isn't it? Mm, very strange. Yes. My um nephew and his wife had a daughter recently. I was mm-hmm. campaigning very hard for her to be named Graham. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault she turned out to be a girl. And I had an email sent to me where uh, I was addressed as Graymar, <laughs> which I thought was a lovely feminine twist on Graham. Yeah. Maybe a typo, but <laughs> I forwarded on as for consideration. But my new great niece is called Jordan. But there have been uh, there has been a lot of discussion um, with advocacy groups for giving children gender neutral names, uh, just so that they can make their own decisions as they age. And they, so the argument is, is, in case your child grows up to be transgender, mm-hmm. you should give them a name that is easily adaptable yeah. to begin with. Yeah. And I think, well, isn't it just you know really we should just be accepting that there are transgender people. Yeah. And maybe they could just accept the fact that people change their name. Yeah, I don't think it's about specifically being concerned about having a transgender child. I think it's about just dispelling that gender binary in general and trying to make all names it out. gender neutral. I mean, I got one anyway, so it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, well, Jordan's so you, a gender neutral name. Yeah, mm. me, Charlie, Charlie, plenty of females. Yeah, there's Charlie, Charlies. Mm. There's girl Charlies and boy Charlies. Mm. Yeah. And look, I'm not sure which one I am. To be honest, some days I <laughs> no, am, I'm boy, sometimes I'm girl. You, know, you don't have to. That's I think fine. that's the point. I always think of John Wayne, though. He was Marion. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Why am I laughing at that? It goes against everything I believe. It just doesn't in. go against the image of John Wayne, though. You know? <laughs> it didn't stop him, did it? No, not at all. I do recall, though, I was in Berlin once and I was walking down the street. And there was two very clearly gay dads mm-hmm. and their children in front of them. And one of the children ran a little bit far ahead and one of the dads called out and said, stop no, now, Galveston. And, <laughs> and I just thought that was a particularly unfair name for a child who has gay parents. Galveston, if you're listening, we're very sorry. Is that where he was conceived? <laughs> I, I think it was an Edward II reference. <laughs> where he was born? <laughs> So, rumoured that Galveston was Edward II's lover, so a character in gay history. It gets better. Um, (laughs) But I just, you know, I did cringe a little. I did feel sorry for the child. Yeah. And I thought, also I wondered what he was going to shorten it to when he was older. (laughs) A friend of mine and I used to pore over the uh, birthing announcements in the newspapers looking for the best names we could find. And I think my personal favourite would have to be Tequila for a girl. Spelled T E K A L A H. 
Tequila. Oh, I find tequila. the spellings tra- terrible. Mm. Oh, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's difficult. It's spellings. beautiful. It's that's the Australiana I live for. There is a thing in <laughs> for artists of actually like claiming their name, like you know Mozart saying he's Amadeus, mm-hmm. you know, saying declaring yourself as a person, mm. which I think you know a friend of mine who uh, is trans when he said, okay, I'm transgender, I'm becoming a boy, mm-hmm. he picked a name, but a few years on, felt that name wasn't fitting anymore yeah. and picked a better one. Yeah. And I kind of like that idea yeah. that, I don't know, maybe every five years you could just say, hey, I feel like a bit of a refresh, a bit of a, an extra oomph in my life. I don't no, feel no. like I'm this person anymore. Yeah. Just choose a new one. That's interesting you say that, Graham, because I, 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 I'm part of the men's community um, and we do men's work. Uh, sit around circles and talk about men feelings and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things, the elements of men's work is the cho- choice of a an animal name or a spirit name. I'm oh, a pelican, like right? Yeah. So um, when I first, uh, what is your spirit animal? Yeah. When I first did it, I was <laughs> penguin in the slipstream. Okay. Right. <laughs> that's beautiful. Right? It was, which is a great name, and there's a part of me that's still penguin in the slipstream. <laughs> but um, as I as I got uh, on, and particularly when I came out because that was part of my journey, mm-hmm. uh, I changed it. And now I'm silverback unbound, right? <laughs> which I better. love. That. I fitting. love that. You know, For many years the cage was unlocked mm-hmm. and I didn't realise I could open the door. And now, uh, and that animal name represents me opening the door and coming out and being free. Yeah, so it, it helps you find a sense of community as well as a sense absolutely. of Absolutely, it, it does. It describes powerful. who I am inside, the core of who I am. My spirit animal is definitely a pelican. Yeah. It is because it comes from, I don't know, growing up, um, I grew up in South Australia where Storm Boy mm-hmm. um, was filmed just down the road from where I grew up. And uh, I used, went to Adelaide Zoo and saw the pelicans from Storm Boy and they've always been, I just love pelicans. Yeah. Like, I will, you know, when you see them on like light poles as you're driving down the freeway, mm-hmm. uh, that's where I'm going to crash my car because I'm looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just obsessed looking at any time I see a pelican, I'm completely obsessed. Yep. Lee, what would your spirit animal be? You ever been to a friend's house where they have a cat that just doesn't let you touch it? That's me. You're a grumpy cat. Oh, I didn't say grumpy. Just <laughs> Don't touch me, cat. cat. <laughs> <laughs> a cat with boundaries. <laughs> yes, exactly. Very good. <laughs> Moving on, we were going to talk about. The anniversary of the death of artist Keith Haring. Keith died in 1990. Uh, what do you guys know about his work? Oh, uh, Keith Haring's was four years older than I was. Mm-hmm. So he's a contemporary of mine. Right. And if he was still alive, I'd love to talk to him because mm-hmm. when I first, first saw his work, it was like, oh my goodness, um, that's, that's actually street. That's real. Yeah. That uh, it's not up in the rarefied, uh, you know, art galleries. Mm. Um, it's something I could possibly own. Yeah. Or or belong to. To me, Keith Haring was was that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that I could be. Yeah. If I wanted to, if I was, if I was a, a visual artist, that I could be Keith Haring. Right. I first came across his work. I'm. Not, it was in a British magazine. It might have been Sky. It might have been The Face. One of those mm-hmm. popular 90s or late 80s British magazines. And it was actually a picture he did of uh, Madonna, um, who was a friend of his. Mm-hmm. And there'd been the whole controversy when the f- penthouse photos came out of her. She'd done a photo shoot when she was a student. Like erotica times? Uh, no, way before that. Okay. So actually 1985, um, prior fame in the late 70s, Madonna had done a photo shoot as a, an artist model um, and had done a nude photo shoot. 
right. and then once she became famous, they appeared on in Penthouse and Playboy magazine. As Someone <laughs> sold these old photos, and they they they. It was a, came out just before Live Aid was on in 1985, and he's taken the cover of I think the New York Post, mm-hmm. and he's taken the front page which had Madonna on it with this scandal. And it's really funny <laughs> to think that that's a Madonna scandal. Yeah. Because the ones we've had since yeah. make this seem such a nothing. Mm. Um, and it really wasn't. But at the time, it was it was just, you know, is this her career over? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. people are going to see her breasts. So um, and he made this painting, which he sort of painted over it. Yeah. And he did his artwork over it. And it was used as the artwork in this interview, which I can't remember if it was with him or it was with her, but I ripped it out and I put it up on my wall in my bedroom and it was there for like the next five years, mm. um, you know, blue tacked to the wall. And that's where I first came across him. But his artwork, you know, done with um, organisations like ACT UP, his sort of AIDS awareness act, um, artwork he did, is still with us. He's still seeing it all the time. You see it recreated and reposted and really left a very powerful message. Mm. I just doing some research on on Keith uh, leading up to this podcast. The some of his work, like very heavily based in in pop art, it just had this uh, immense sense of nostalgia. And I I actually wasn't sure if I'd actually seen the work before or not. It just it reminded me of kids TV when I was growing up. It reminded me of of animation. It he definitely had a huge influence on contemporary art. Just made me think, you know, he passed away from an AIDS-related illness, and if we were to get back all those artists we had lost through HIV, mm. you know, the it's just such it just when you stop and you think about it, and then you think about all the people in the world who have passed away from HIV-related mm. illnesses, you just get lost in that well yeah. of sorrow, yeah, because uh, so many amazingly talented people, and how many people have passed away from HIV who didn't get to show their talents, who didn't get to mm. become famous like, you know, Keith Haring or Freddie Mercury mm. or, or just the plethora of amazing people who have lost to that disease. I'm sure for many of them, the um, living with HIV and whether it evolved into AIDS or not uh, inspired their art in a lot of ways. Well, for Keith and Haring, absolutely. Yeah. It was his HIV became very central to his work. And it's if you go out and look at some of the murals he did, you know, which, you know, Panel walls, and hopefully a lot of them are still there today, mm. um, and haven't you know painted over or graffiti. <laughs> um, he put a lot of really big messages out there. Well, a lot of it was painted over in the early days until he became recognised, um, because people thought it was rubbish. Yeah. Um, but when once it started to become recognised and people related to it, then they valued it. Mm. You know? And and what I love about that is that uh, his work was was wasn't abstract. It was representational. Yeah. So you could see people, but it was really simple. He had people in his... And he was not afraid to explore his sexuality through his, through his mm. drawings. So we have a lot of, a lot of penises <laughs> in his work, <laughs> right? a lot of men with penises in his work. Um, and when he was diagnosed with HIV, then his work changed. And in the last 10 years of his life, he did a lot of... Um, work for public um, groups mm. right, to promote the work of groups, you know, literacy groups, AIDS education groups, children work, work with children. Yeah. Um, he helped raise money mm. for, for research. Yeah. He helped raise money for, for literacy and art programs. Right? So he has left a wonderful legacy. I hope isn't forgotten. Mm. There is a lovely Annie Leibovitz photo portrait of Keith Haring, 
where he the whole background is painted white and with in black ink his distinctive sort of patterns over it but he is also completely covered in white makeup he's completely naked and he himself has been painted in keith haring scribbles and you know lines and doodles and yeah. stuff and there's a lot of keith haring penis in that photo it's, as well <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting if you look back on a, a history of public art and you know you go back to the 40s people thought what duchamp was doing was trash then people thought warhol and basquiat were trash they thought uh herring was trash i wonder who's making art today that we're going to look back on and be like wow they were making a really serious point and we just weren't listening mm. it's as if people will dismiss public art because it's not in that high art space it's not in this specialized art space but why not try and reach out to more people especially when you have a message that strong I think I love about a lot of these artists, you know, like Basquiat. Mm. You, know, you kind of look at them and go, I could do that. I could have a go. Yeah. You know, and kind of it's not only accessible, but it's also encouraging yeah. for people to be artistic. And then, of course, when you go and have a go, you tell it, you can't go. John Michel Basquiat, even slightly. Uh, I am so glad that we are valuing street art. Uh, there was an example of uh, a, a mural artist um, who, who was painted over in Perth just recently. And the, the hue and cry hmm. that, that came out as a result of that art being lost uh, was such that uh, he became more famous and more of his work. I was driving uh, down Orong Road the other day, mm -hmm. and there on a building was more of his work where I right. would never expect to see it, and that was wonderful. Yeah. And our, our city here in Perth is slowly, you know, through a lot of initiatives being done by Form and the organisation behind them, but slowly these giant murals every year, a few more pop up, and a few more, you know, not little things, but big things appear. Mm. And we're slowly becoming the very much the painted city, yeah, which I think is amazing. It's great. It's, it's great for local artists. It's great for culture and it's great for the city. And Nobody's it's just better than looking at concrete. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Charlie Perth, I want to thank you for coming and joining us at So Loquacious. Oh, it's been fun. Thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, City Signs. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. We'd love it if you do give us a review on iTunes and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And you can join the conversation about this show on Twitter using the hashtag so loquacious or head to the SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com forward slash out in Perth where you can add your comments on the timeline for each episode. If you'd like to connect with the team from Out in Perth, you'll find us at outinperth.com. Until next time, remember to be vocal, be loud, be fabulous, and be so loquacious. See you next time. Just like to add, uh, we'd like to apologise for the buzzing sound. Oh, yeah, the, the air conditioner. The air conditioner is on because Perth is going through a heat wave. Normally we turn it off when we're recording. Mm, but we wanted to survive until the end of this podcast. Because it's 43 degrees. Mm. I just yeah. thought it was my personality vibrating through the <laughs> airwaves, but there well, you go. It doesn't help.